Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Colts, your daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Matt Danley, and this is Locked On Colts for Wednesday, October 5th. And we are going to go through the Colts' updated uh, pro football focus grades. We're going to talk about some roster moves that have just happened. Uh, and what those could mean for the team, and what we can expect in, in the future for the roster. Well, as you all know today, the Colts let go of Antonio Cromartie, uh, released uh, or waived uh, C.O. Moore. This is uh, good news. We talked about this yesterday with Bob uh, Kravitz, and I've talked about it a couple times, uh, mainly on uh, Monday when I was talking about uh, who, what they need to do in order to get Trevor Bates up on the roster. Well, Trevor Bates did make it up to the roster. They elevated him to the 53. And uh, if you're not real familiar with Bates, uh, he had a lot. I think he had a little bit of hype coming out, you know, and through camp and such. But most of it was pretty tempered because uh, he's, an, uh, you know, somewhat of an undersized guy. And uh, that should kind of remind you of the uh, of where Mathis came out of uh, a little bit. He's 6'2", 247. Uh, he's been on the practice squad all year. Now, there were some things that I saw out of Bates that I really liked at training camp. Uh, I was down there, and I was, uh, uh, would talk to a, a couple of the guys that were around. And uh, one of the things that I mentioned uh, both on Twitter and kind of voiced uh, to and from in, just in casual conversation with some other guys is that he is, he is the, his body type isn't the prototypical body type, but he is a natural pass rusher. And now they let go of the inside linebacker, C.O. Moore, and they have used him on the scout team a little bit at, at inside linebacker. And they've kind of flip-flopped back and forth of whether what they think he is, inside or outside. He is a pass rusher, in my opinion. Uh, could he play inside? Maybe. But a lot of that's been done in practice. Not very much of it. In fact, none of it, I don't. not that I noticed anyways, was in camp. So uh, I can't really say as to what his – attributes at that position would be but he come out of a small school in Maine he was the seventh round pick for the Colts the guy just has I mean he gets low uh, transfers the the speed to power really well I think he's got you know he doesn't have a, a full arsenal of pass rush moves but the way he comes off the snap and the way he can he can bend the edge he he I am excited to see him in action. How many snaps will he get? Uh, you know, I think that's uh, probably going to be pretty limited in my opinion. But I'd love to see him in some situational uh, pass rushing, pass rushing situations. And I think that he'll get probably a lot of the majority of his snaps on special teams at the moment. But you know, it'd be nice to see him rotate in and out. 
he and Kurt Majit and uh, Eric Walden, who surprisingly, have we as we've spoken about, has been the majority of the uh, the Colts' pass rush to this point. So it would be nice to see him get in there and do it. I'm just glad to see him get a shot because we, at, at a minimum, we're going to see what he's got. You know, he, nobody's saying that he's going to be the second coming, um, and I'm certainly not. But I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he's got a lot to offer, uh, and I think he could be really good. I'm not going to say I think he can be great. I think he can be really good, though. Uh, like I said, he's just got the knack for coming off the snap. He gets through. He He's good taking the inside route uh, on the tackle. He does a pretty good job of getting uh, getting low when he goes outside on the edge of the tackle. So I'm pretty excited to see that. Uh, Ferguson didn't go anywhere. And it's not like I'm, you know, trying to get Ferguson. You know, I'm not filing out a petition to get rid of Ferguson. I just don't see the the point in him uh, being on the roster, uh, to be honest with you. But outside of that, they got rid of Camardi, who uh, was getting beaten up pretty bad, uh, you know, in in coverage. And he just wasn't – he wasn't really working out uh, the further it got down. I think we talked about it, you know, in his first couple games. I thought he was solid. Um, he kind of gave – you know, the Colts, another man, press man uh, guy, with, which was what he plays, he was solid at, especially in his prime. And he was just not durable enough or uh, going to last long enough. You know, he's just too old to go throughout a full season at that. And I, we've, we've spoken about that. I don't remember what show it was on, but I remember talking about it. In addition to that, Seal uh, Moore, poor tackler. Uh, and the real thing that, you know, just kind of aggravates me the most is, you know, and I've made my love affair, so to speak, known with Junior Sylvester, who the Colts cut before even final cuts were necessary. But Seal Moore came into camp with uh, the Colts brass, basically saying he's the guy. Everybody else is going to have to beat him out. Happened the same way with Nate Irving getting cut. You know, he that basically everybody was coming in to battle with Moore for that spot opposite to Quell Jackson. And I think that's stupid. Um, you can't automatic. You can't just hand. The, the starting position to a guy who hasn't done anything yet to begin with. I mean, he only played a couple games, I think, last year, if if that. And they just were way too high on him as they typically, you know, not typically on everybody, but it seems like this happens quite a bit. They get real high on somebody, and that's their guy, and he's never proves that he should be their guy. And they ended up, and they end up, you know, ditching him. And, you know, credit to him for ditching him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I'd rather do that than to see them consider to drag or continually drag this out and have more starting every game and just being awful and just stinking up the field. But, you know, now at the moment at inside linebacker, you know, they're not, they didn't trade for anybody. They didn't bring up another inside linebacker per se. So it's basically McNary and um, Morrison and Morrison's got a ton of flaws. So I don't know that this made the inside linebacking core any better uh, right away, but I think, at least they were willing to cut bait when they needed to. And bringing Bates in, you know, is he going to be another rotational guy at inside linebacker? He might. He might work out of both positions. I just don't know. Uh, I'm not real sure what they see him as, but uh, I like what he can offer as a pass rush. So maybe they'll they'll do a little more of a 4-3 a front, you know, in some subs and, and get him on the edge a little bit. Uh, and add another uh, pass rushing option, or they may just rush him out of the, you know, like I said, they may rush him out of the middle. It's just hard to say at this point, but that's interesting. So we have that to look forward to, and there is still a roster spot available. And my opinion is that that's being left open for Arthur Jones. Now, 
Jones, uh, you know, I've seen it before, and I think I, you know, my I'm drawing a blank right now, but I think the Colts have actually done this one time in the past, where they've had a guy either on suspension or was uh, waiting to come back from injured reserve, and the week he was to come back, they cut him. Whether I, they're not going to probably do that with Arthur Jones, they still owe him over five million dollars from his sixteen million dollar guaranteed uh, in his contract that he signed in 2014. So I don't think that's going to happen. But, man, Arthur Jones is old, too. It, it just gets to the point where it's like, man, who's young on this team that can be that can revitalize this defense and get this thing some energy? I just don't know. I, I hope Arthur Jones can come back because when he's there, the run defense is solid. The run defense, aside from last week, has been decent. Um, but – you know, man, he needs to stay healthy. He's nicked up, it seems like, every couple games. So hopefully he is healthy and comes to play, gets his head out of his butt, and doesn't have any more issues like he did that got him the four-game suspension to begin with, and that uh, the Colts' defense can start to grow a little bit. Hopefully some of these young guys can kind of start to take hold and make their impact uh, felt. So that's uh, that. My my opinion is that's going to end up uh, filling the fifty three man roster. I would assume they'll do that tomorrow. Uh, you know, too many moves in one day leaves Ursay with nothing to do on on a Wednesday. So I think he'll probably do that from Wednesday, and then when everybody's coming back to practice, they'll get everybody squared away, and they'll have uh, you know they'll have the first practice of the week. So uh, let's run through some of the pro football focus grades and I'll kind of tell you guys where everybody's at at the moment uh, at quarterback luck is third in the in the league uh, according to pro football focus at a 87.4 that's uh you know that's pretty solid and and like I was talking to Bob last night a lot of people were kind of downplaying luck guys he's been pressured on on 41% of his on 41% of his snaps uh dropbacks that's quite a bit you know He's still at a 62% completion rate. He's, you know, l- luck in the past also happened uh, this year as well. He used to run into uh, to some pressure himself. I haven't noticed that as much this year, uh, to be quite honest with you. He seems to be stepping up, climbing the pocket, and just going forward, uh, just trying to make sure that he's not getting a major loss of yards. Uh, sometimes on, that, on those rollouts, though, or where they move the pocket, you know, the, the, you, there's no climbing the pocket in in, the, in those cases. Uh, Frank Gore is at or at running back. Frank Gore is still uh, in the early 30s here, 32, 32nd in the league with a 62.6. Uh, I think that's I think his grade is slightly climbing uh, a touch, but you know, until he can get a, a, a handful, a good handful of carries in the second half, I don't see his rank. I certainly don't see his rank improving. Uh, if at all, but I don't see his grade really rising much because he's just not getting a ton of of snaps. He's not getting those breakout. You know, he did have a seven. I think it was sixteen or seventeen yard run last week, which was nice to see him kind of break open. Anything over ten, twelve yards is is nice from a, a Colts running back. But you know, he's he's right there around Duke Johnson, Fozzie Whitaker, and some of those guys. Nothing great, but he's definitely a piece. And uh, the Colts are going to have to get themselves a little more. Uh, leveled out I suppose in order for him to climb the grade grade doesn't really matter with him we know what he's going to give the Colts and and where he stands but at the wide receivers Hilton as is at 12th with an 80 81.1 and if I'm not mistaken uh without 
uh, I think Moncrief still uh, is right around. Yeah, Moncrief still right at 34 uh, with a 74.6. Obviously, he's not an, able to improve or uh, or drop or decline or anything like that. Then we have Dorsett. He's at 84th with a 56.1. Not real sure what his uh, issues are, whether he's uh, just not getting enough balls himself or uh, or what, but uh, they're not too keen on Dorsett at the time. When we move on to tight ends, we do still have Jack Doyle at 14th. He's got a solid grade, 71.6. That's nice. Uh, Jack Doyle continues to block well, continues to catch balls, whereas Dwayne Allen is struggling to catch. And to, to be fair, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this yet or not, but I don't see that Dwayne Allen dropped that pass on fourth and one. I, I mean, maybe he should have reeled it in because uh, he did have both hands on it, but the defender had a hand on it too. And uh, it's kind of a flip of the coin, whatever you want to call it, you call it. But it, uh, I didn't see that as a major drop compared to some of his other drops that he's had recently. But he, his grade is a 52.1. I'm not impressed with Allen. Um, we definitely still got the better tight end out of the group when they chose between he and Fleener. Uh, Fleener obviously is, uh, for lack of a better word, is garbage, and people in New Orleans are seeing that firsthand right now. He's capable of breaking out. He's not going to, though. Uh, if he does, it'll only be for a game or so. It won't be anything in, uh, you know substantial. Costanzo, despite uh, giving up a couple sacks this Sunday, is 14th in the league uh, amongst tackles with an 81.5. Um, I, you know, uh, and I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game yet, but I'm wondering when I go back, you know, Bob yesterday was talking about how the right side of the line gave up a ton of pressures and they probably did, but I'm anxious to see how long luck was holding the ball, uh, in those situations, not to blame it on luck, but just to see what the situation was, whether the coverage was good, you know, whether they were coverage pressures or whether they were legit, uh, inside of three seconds and he was already being pressured. Uh, I just don't have a, a good recollection of that for some reason. Um, so I, I'm kind of anxious to, to rewatch it, and I'll, uh, I'll report that back to you guys uh, later on in the week. So Costanzo's at A1.5. Nobody else uh, is is in contention for, for the Colts. They really, you know, they've moved in from, from good to Haig and Wrights, and those guys have all had some bad games, so they're not going to be anywhere near the top or for that matter, anywhere near uh, probably the midway point uh, amongst the uh, the other tackles. Uh, now, guard, Muhort, a solid 10th at 82.6. I like that for him. I'm a little surprised that it's that high. I think he's had a good season thus far, but I'm a little, I'm just a little surprised that they have him uh, graded out so, so highly. Denzel Good is at 66 with a 47.9. Not good, but you know, good is still probably their, their third or fourth best lineman or outside, not non-interior lineman. I think he's, he's still a good, uh, a solid interior lineman, but I still think he is better suited for the tackle position. I just was really high on him last year, watching him fill in at the position. And I thought he did a fantastic job. I actually suggested that I thought he should start at right tackle this year. Uh, but he's, he's doing a, a solid job at guard. He's not doing great you know, he's a young, he's just a, a second year guy. So we'll see more from him in the future. Ryan Kelly's dropped. He's at 23rd right now, overall, uh, at a 71.6. I think that's probably due to his decrease in, uh, pass protection. 
uh, grade. But he's got a 75.5. I just think it was higher than that. But his uh, his run blocking grade is at a 53.3. That's shocking to me. I've always, I mean, he, he doesn't do a lot of pulling and getting downfield or anything like that, you know, at center. But I'm just kind of surprised that his is that low. It, it kind of seemed like he does better in run than maybe than they have seen from him. But at either at any resort, I think he's been solid. I don't think that we've had a, a center as good as he is, and he's a rookie. So I mean, like uh, you know, we talked about yesterday. At a minimum, we got young guys. Rashawn Melvin is still the highest rated corner, even after two weeks of Vontae Davis. Rashawn's at a fifty-eight point five. He's given up some some big plays. He's big. He's uh, missed some tackles. You know, we've talked about that. But he's been man. He's been a solid pickup, guys. He's a nobody, and he probably will continue to be a nobody throughout the season. But he's filled in nicely, and especially the issues that we're having or gonna have if Darius Butler comes back and struggles in the slot, they're gonna you know it's it. He's he's a he's he's a nice depth piece for sure. Patrick Robinson and Vonte Davis are in the nineties. They're at ninety two and ninety three. Uh, Robinson at ninety two with a 47.9, Vontae's right there, 47.8. So we kind of have some issues, it looks like. I'm. It just seemed like that defense when Vontae came back looked so good, and you didn't see anything. You didn't you know hear of any real big plays he's given up. I'm curious. It almost makes me want to go back and watch the last two games to see like what they're seeing that he's not doing well. Maybe it's his run support that, that's killing him, both, you know, he and – Robinson are basically even in both categories, both in the coverage and in run support. So I don't know. Uh, it, you know, and, and Daryl Morris is right there just behind them at 97th. So we're not, we're not seeing a lot of great corner play from, from the Colts, uh, especially from the guys who were supposed to be pretty good. You know, Robinson came in and uh, a lot of people have been kind of crap cannoning because they brought him in instead of keeping Jarrell Freeman, and I think they could have done both, to be honest with you. Let's not assume that they only had to pick one. I think that they were main, probably aiming more towards uh, a guy like Josh Norman or somebody like that to come in and make an impact. They I don't know if they made a play at him in the offseason, but they certainly didn't. Have, it was Nothing, nothing was ever uh, publicized about it, so there was definitely no... Uh, talk of him being one of the guys that they were talking about bringing in, that's for sure. Now, safety, we're still seeing some good play out of Mike Adams. Uh, guys can downplay him all you want. He's still one of the best safeties in the league, as old as he is. 82.9, they've got him uh, ranked 11th overall, and he's within, what, two, three, four of being in the top five. He's within four points on his grade of being in the top five. Uh, just a side note, kind of interesting, Eric Weddle, the old man uh, is uh, he's the top overall safety in the league right now, uh, according to them at ninety point nine. Just now, you're not going to see um, probably anybody for the Colts ranked, you know, in, in the top one hundred, uh, other than Dequell Jackson, simply because of his run support. But Dequell is ranked at top and uh, at right at fifty with a fifty point eight grade. And Josh McNary is basically tied with. 50 other guys at 80 with a 46.1 overall grade. So, you know, he just hasn't had enough snaps for them to grade him accurately, and that, and they even uh, show that on there. Yeah, interior D-line. The Colts basically have Kendall Langford at a 49.5, uh, 
And outside of that, Zach Kerr is at 91. You know, we didn't see much of him this past week. He was getting through a little bit. Uh, in fact, he did have a sack, but that was basically the only play I think that we saw. And, you know, kind of to put it into uh, context here, Ricky Jean Francois, who was kind of, you know, blah, while he was in Indianapolis, is, is got, he's got the same grade as Zach Kerr, which is, uh, you know, kind of cruddy. Yeah, when you think about it, but Hassan Ridgeway's making his way up. He's at a hundredth. That's not like he's not topping out. Like it's a, he's set for a a huge thing. But you know, Hassan Ridgeway is complimenting the rest of these guys pretty well on limited snaps. So I'm I'm excited to see his future. I don't think he's going to have a significant impact this this season, but his future is bright. And I think there's a I think that can be said for a lot of the guys on the roster. Now here's where we get into the uh, the trash, so to speak. Uh, Mathis is at uh, 61st among edge rushers with a 50.1 grade, which surprises me. And even still, uh, we have Eric Walden at 84, who's got more sacks than anybody on the team. So uh, I'm not sure how they're grading. I would assume it's because he doesn't have a ton of pass rushing snaps. But you've got to figure that if he's getting home as much as he is, outside of these guys, uh, the rest of the guys on the roster, it's kind of silly for me to think that he's not he's not outplaying Robert Mathis that's all we got for that and the Colts you know they they're gonna they're gonna have the Bears come to town this week and the Bears are an awful team it looks like they're gonna be playing uh defending Brian Hoyer is that better than Jay Cutler uh for the Colts I don't know I think Hoyer's probably a little less uh dubious with the ball so to speak I think that if Cutler was coming back they both would have the big play ability to deal with from Cutler but they would also be dealing with uh, a higher opportunity for turnovers I think um, Hoyer's a guy who's kind of killed the Colts in the past uh, he's at least played solid against them you know then and that was the issue over the past few years we've had replacement level quarterbacks just eat us alive and you know, it's time for the Colts to dominate another crappy quarterback. To be quite quite honest with you, and the and the and the Bears are a, an awful team right now. The you know the Colts aren't good, but the Bears are awful. So I mean, the the Colts at least have the uh, potential to have really good games and look good. I'm not sure that the Bears do. Uh, they did win this past week uh, over the Lions, but the Lions are severely depleted in injuries too. The Colts, on the other hand have just gotten a lot of guys back. It'll be interesting to see Robinson after, uh, you know, into his second week back, Vontae in his third, uh, Henry in his third. You know, it would be nice to see some of these guys kind of get home and really have a good, nice breakout game to kind of release the pressure on the organization, I think. Um, again, you know, just as uh, Bob said yesterday when we were when we heard from him, he doesn't expect anything like that to happen. I tend to agree with that. Not so much that uh, I wouldn't like to see something happen. I just don't think there's a better option at this time at, at head coach uh, floating around anywhere, certainly not in the building already. So I don't know that that's going to do anything to help. I think we're just going to have to deal with it and hope that the team plays better. But I, I wouldn't say that uh, one side or the other is necessarily going to keep his uh, Pagano's job safe in the process. You know, do the Colts do the Colts get to the AFC Championship this year? Then I'm telling you right now, Pagano's going nowhere. I don't care how crappy they look. Um, 
off and on during the season. And I don't, nobody's trying to push him out the door. I mean, well, I take that back. A lot of people are trying to push him out the door. But we have to remember something. This team execution on the players is number one, okay? If scheme is the major issue, it plays a lot into the Colts' hands. If preparedness, which is an issue with Pagano, there's no mistaking it, then that's a coaching issue. I think uh, some uh, a situation, let's say, like uh, Antonio Morrison, I think his itch issues are his own, but it's on the coaching staff, especially when you have a linebacker's coach and your defensive coordinator is a former linebacker's coach. That shouldn't be happening. You know, There shouldn't be a guy who is just that absent-minded in your linebacking core, regardless of how talented he could be. Um, he takes terrible lines to the ball. He doesn't plug holes. He's a good, I mean, uh, he's a mean guy, tackler, so to speak, whatever you want to call it. But he misses his fair share, I mean, just as much. You know, I think they just got sick and tired. You know, C.O. Moore was leading the team in tackles, but I think he missed as many tackles as he actually uh, completed. So, but just to get back to uh, the issue at coaching, very little is going to happen. We just have to hope that some of these players can execute better because ultimately in the game, it is on them. If they aren't good enough to do it, then it's, a talent slash execution issue. And we have to, you know, we're not going to pick it outside of Lucas Oil Stadium uh, about the players, you know, not playing well enough. But ultimately, we are going to have to hold them accountable as opposed to holding everything over the head of Chuck Pagano every time the team plays like crap. Uh, They have to come out and get those guys prepared. They have to have a better game plan. They've got to get, you know, the Colts into winning situations, uh, for example, with the hurry up. And I think they will, but they're not going to be able to do it for 60 minutes in a game, guys. I mean, they're not going to come out and hurry up and run it the entire game. They're just not going to. Uh, But that definitely leads to better situations for them. Like I said, the defense doesn't have time to uh, get real exotic in their looks. Uh, They don't have enough uh, opportunity to disguise a whole lot when uh, the Colts offense is in the hurry up and and the Colts will be successful in that but the Colts also have to be successful in it's kind of like having the basketball when you have a team that is constantly running a secondary fast break and they are so good on the break but you also have to be a good team in half court offense okay you're not going to win games if you can't do both the Colts have to do both that we know that they're good in the hurry up, but they also have to slow it down. They've got to have a solid running game to complement luck, to keep the defense honest, and they've got to have, you know, the time to get themselves in and out of a huddle and to be able to milk the clock when it's necessary and to be effective in that game. So they're going to have to learn to do both. They will. And if we're looking at the next several games uh, for the Colts, we you know the Colts have the Bears this week. They'll go at the Texans and at the Titans the following two, uh, two weeks. Then Chiefs and Packers. So they've got three games here that they can you know win and conceivably be four and three by week eight. Their game against the Chiefs is going to be in Lucas Oil Stadium, so they're going to have that home field advantage against them, which they'll definitely need. And it's a one o'clock game. I think that benefits the Colts. But then they're going to go to the Packers at 425 the week before their bye week. Folks, if they can win those last two games, I think the Colts are going to win 
the next three. I mean, and uh, you know, the Texans will be difficult on defense. Their offense is explosive, but very, very inconsistent. So it's not like that's going to be a blowout. Nor I, let me put it this way: it's not like that should be a blowout. Okay, the Texans are the best, probably the top roster or two in the division, um, talent, pure talent wise. But they're they're struggling too. I mean, they they are very inconsistent, very uh, very sporadic. So they've got the Colts have to win these next three against the Bears, Texans, and Titans, and then they're going to have the next you know two hard games. And then they'll come back following their bye week, and they'll be against the Titans again. So realistically, the Colts could end up being seven and three in their first week past the bye week. How realistic is that? I don't know. Uh, Green Bay and Kansas City are both pretty good teams. So, and, and the Colts have proven to be extremely inconsistent just as well. So, uh, where they're going to land, I don't know. But the Colts have a real chance here to uh, get to five hundred and surpass that. And we'll see what they can do. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating and a good review. I would appreciate it. We will be friends forever if you do. And again, uh, thank you again for for listening and you know sharing the show. You guys are great. I see a lot of people sharing it. I'm getting great comments from you guys. Where, you know, I haven't had any negative uh, at this moment. Probably shouldn't have opened my mouth about that. But... It's been good to converse with a lot of you guys. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are listening to the show. Uh, if nothing else, it makes for great conversation. So uh, whether you agree or disagree with uh, my take on it, but that's that's what we're doing here. So uh, we're going to have, being that I'm getting a little more of that, we're going to have another show uh, here in the next uh, few days with uh, listener questions. So as many of you that are listening to this, keep this in mind. Follow the Locked On Colts on Twitter uh, go like the Locked On Colts Facebook page, and you can follow me, M. Danley NFL, uh, and Matt Danley on Facebook as well. But good number of you are listening, and uh, let's get some some more questions and uh, stuff that you guys want answered or uh, comments. Let's just have the conversation. So, uh, like I said, again, I appreciate it. You guys are great, but I am done for today. So I will talk to all of you on Thursday on Locked On Colts. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.